0: Welcome to Entrepreneur Mindset Reset, the podcast for entrepreneurs who want to learn from fellow business owners how to decrease the chaos and increase their sense of fulfillment while becoming more profitable. I'm your host, Tracy Tripeski. I'm an executive coach and consultant and mindset mastery expert. I'm also mom to two amazing teenagers and a menagerie of adopted furry family members. In each episode, we explore challenges, opportunities, and actionable tips to help you move your business forward while staying true to your vision. You'll hear from me and my guests how we've tackled some of the pitfalls and unexpected surprises that entrepreneurship delivers. We're the real deal, and we're here to inspire and encourage you. Let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today for a new episode of Entrepreneur Mindset Reset the podcast where entrepreneurs just like you and me share how they master their mindset to overcome obstacles to their success. In today's episode, I am so excited to speak with the brilliant and creative Sarah Dylan jensen of Mockingjay Press and the Snohomish County Farmers Markets and Washington State, Oregon, and Idaho Farmers Market Associations. She's basically the maven of the Pacific Northwest Farmers Markets. Sarah's journey from the fashion world to farmers markets is quite remarkable and seemingly happened by accident, but as you and I know, nothing happens by accident. Her drive, organization, ability to make things happen, and deep connection to her community all brought her to where she is now. If you've ever been to your local farmers market, you may have noticed that the prices are generally higher than your average grocery store. This can be prohibitively expensive for people who fall below a living wage. You'll hear in our conversation that Sarah's passion and commitment to our community, particularly for those who are underrepresented and underserved, is very touching. And her advocacy, combined with local government action and funding, is supporting all people to get healthy, fresh food on their tables, regardless of income. Sarah shares her best tips on how to get involved and engage in your community. The first tip is to pull the Band-Aid off and just engage. For you introverts, start with one person. You might be surprised how quickly you build your network and grow your community. Listen, take notes, and also make note that while we were talking, Sarah's ever entrepreneurial spirit just may have sparked another business idea to meet the need to make another her so she can continue to support farmers markets. So grab a beverage or a snack and settle in to listen to Sarah and her amazing journey. Sarah, it's so good to see you. Thank you so much for coming today. Thanks for having me. I am really, really excited to do this interview with you and just to share kind of your journey. I love your story about how you got to where you are now. And, you know, as we were, before we started recording that you're spinning a lot of plates and you know, what you've done to make that work, I think is going to be really valuable to our listeners. And also just would love to hear kind of what led you up to where you are now and, and all that good stuff. So I'm glad that you're here. Thanks for coming.
1: Yeah, so uh, my my career path is a little bit of a winding, lots of forks in the road. I was born and raised in Alaska. My family was into dog racing. I was not physical, and so I kind of channeled things into more art and creativity in school, and when I first graduated from my first degree, which was the University of Alaska Anchorage, I was definitely wanting to jump into something creative, and so I looked into fashion design schools because that's just a dream that many girls have mm-hmm. um, that are interested in fashion. And so ended up going to Los Angeles to the fashion Institute of design and merchandising during the move there, which was a 3000 mile drive from heck yeah. <laughs> in a U-Haul and a cat. I decided wow. that I really liked. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot. I decided that I really liked Washington. So during school there, I decided to look at companies in Washington to work for. So I ended up graduating, moving up here to Seattle and you know, working for a lot of really great companies, Eddie Bauer, Tommy Bahama, Zoomies, Brooks Sports. And after kind of experiencing all of the different aspects that go into clothing manufacturing, from operations to design, color management, those types of things, I kind of got burnt out. It's a very fast paced industry. A lot of creativity on demand, even working in the operational side, you got to get creative with factory loads and things like that. And all of it was wonderful experience, but I just kind of started leaning towards that desire for small businesses, that desire to see them succeed. This was right about the time of the economic crash in 2008. And so Mm -hmm. I saw kind of small towns like Snohomish, Washington start to falter and shops close and not be reopening with new stores. So I started volunteering for the Historic Downtown Snohomish Association with some of their wine walks and things to try to bring vitality back to the region and bring people and tourism. That was in 2012, I believe. And just going to these little meetup groups and networking groups with other women in business, women in small business, and really just finding some amazing humans, some amazing women, some very inspirational women, one of which needed an assistant. And... (laughs) After doing some evaluation of kind of my life situation and my now husband, then at the time, fiance, we decided that I could just take a leap and go for it and have a little bit of a business plan, have an understanding. I saw the, the main need for these businesses to have social media assistance with mm-hmm. their Facebook and marketing and websites. And I didn't know necessarily what I was doing, but I kind of had, I was right about that age where technology didn't it wasn't difficult for me to adapt and learn. Mm. So jumped into that, started making a lot of connections through this kind of pseudo assistant position. And then um, a few years after that, through these kind of networking and getting my name out there, ended up finding out that the Snohomish Farmer's Market was in need of a new manager. And a friend of mine that worked for the city was at a chamber meeting. She texted me. She's like, hey, you should call this number. They're looking for a manager. And I was like, and? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that works. I love farmer's markets, but I don't know how that works. And she's like, excuse me. She's like, you could figure it out. And, so, <laughs> like, I <did>. sure. <laughs> and <laughs> so I interviewed and, and I got hired almost immediately. And I was just thrown right in to tents and sandbags and street marking and <laughs> vendor relationships this year in 2021. This is my seventh season with the Snohomish Farmers Market and I've now taken over two other one other market and I've created my own in the city that I live in currently which is Lake Stevens.
0: So you've you've been a little busy. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> and so through if I understand right from your story, that through the social media and sort of working as the assistant to this other person for small businesses, you started your own company as well? Yes, yeah, You, you didn't was... have enough to do. <laughs> <laughs> First...
1: My, my job with her was doing some social media management, but mm. she fully understood that that was something I wanted to do on my own. And it was kind of the aspect that she needed the most help with because it wasn't something she enjoyed. Mm. So we were fully on board with that type of relationship. And so as I kind of grew to know some of these other businesses, the word of mouth got out and I created Mockingjay Press, which does the Facebook kind of behind the scenes, some Instagram, those types of things. It was busy, but it was more so just, you know, a couple of hours in the morning and I could sit down at my desk and drink my coffee and take care of the business postings and then have the whole rest of the day to do whatever else was needed. That's not so much the case <laughs> now uh-huh. but I've had three full-time markets and, and still the business, but yeah. through networking and things like that, I've been able to hire an amazing assistant that has helped Mockingjay Press survive that mm. aspect of it.
0: Because you are, I mean, you've got your hands full with the farmer's markets and are they in person year round or is there a season when there aren't any markets open?
1: We have in Washington, we do have some that are year round, but Mm. the three specifically that I run are seasonal. So they generally kick off May through September to mid-October because of the demand for so many of the vendors, especially last year when things were canceled left and right, Farmer's markets were still considered an essential business because there's food access at them. Whether or not that's fruits and vegetables or processed goods like jams and sauces, honey, those types of things. We created holiday and harvest markets too. So there are several that we do as kind of a one-day special event during, say, harvest season, like Halloween or towards Thanksgiving and Christmas. And now that's kind of become a rotating event that everybody expects
0: each mm-hmm. year. Ah, well, it seems like, you know, first of all, you could, you, I don't know if you were thrown in or if you jumped in, but you went in with both feet <laughs> and just picked it up and ran with it. Right. Cause you've made some changes along the way. I remember when we talked before you were saying just how, you know, it was kind of like learning through a fire hose or something, but you've made a lot of changes along the way, right? Do you have a lot of flexibility in how you do things besides like health department and state regulation type stuff?
1: It's funny you say jumped in with both feet because my first day as the new brand new farmer's market manager, I totally broke my toe because I dropped a tent weight on it, not realizing (laughs) the impact that would have. (laughs) Um, So, but I, nobody knew until I got home that my toe was broken, but, um, but yeah, there's definitely, I have been given leeway to do things to create more efficient processes. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody works differently. And the, the previous manager wasn't, she had been working on this market a long time. So just kind of the processes were the processes because that's how they had always been. Mm. So I jumped in with, you know, having a business degree and having a lot of office experience. How can we streamline some of this? How can we make these processes easier and to be honest, having three farmer's markets and sharing some, not all, but some of the vendors between them gives me kind of that familiarity. They know what they're getting. They know what to expect. Even going to farmer's market conferences nationally, we've networked and come up with solutions with other market managers, you know, maybe some that have really big year round markets and how do you manage this? And those collaborative opportunities are huge and super impactful so I always try to put myself out there for. I'm open for a coaching call, or I'm open for to get on a a Zoom this last year and just talk about how we can make things different or better in line with standards that we all have to keep.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you also collaborate outside of the state? Like you learn from yeah. other? Yeah,
1: we're part of the Washington State Farmers Market Association, which collaborates with Oregon and Idaho it's kind of like the Pacific Northwest region Mm. but there's definitely market managers that have come from all over the United States to these conferences to collaborate I've gone to some in California the intense conference and it's really neat to learn to just learn and share the stories and some of that comes back to the social media aspect of it how we talk about our farmer's market is a story and it's that emotional connection. So it's fun to be able to share, you know, our market manager met this New York farmer that is using the space on top of buildings to create farm and agriculture in the city, like in wow. downtown Manhattan.
0: Wow! That's so cool.
1: making more people aware of that is, mm-hmm. is also part of my job.
0: Very cool. And do you do the social media for the farmer's markets or do you give direction and somebody else does it?
1: I do it. You do it. They're my babies. I can't, I can't let it go. (laughs) Yeah, I get
0: that. (laughs) There are some things, you know, where we're kind of like, you know, if it gives you energy, maybe it's okay to spend time doing those things. I think, you know, sometimes it just makes business sense to let it go, but sometimes we get actually get energy from it. And it's, I do not get energy from doing social media. So I outsource mine. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And honestly, the amount of information that I just kind of hold up here or have on my computer Mm -hmm. to try and download that to somebody else to help them understand would almost be more work than it was worth for for the specific farmer's market posts.
0: Yeah. Very interesting. One of the things that really struck me when we first met is just how I believe that your entrepreneurial spirit is what has helped you manage to get to the place where you're where you've got these three farmers markets now that you're managing. And, you know, I'm sure that when you're getting ready to go to college and then going to fashion school, that you were not thinking about farmers markets. <laughs> no, it was not. <laughs> I'm just going out on a limb. <laughs> But what do you think are some of the skills that you've transferred from your experience? Like you were saying, you have the business experience. Like what are some of the things that you've brought with you that maybe helped streamline? Because I'm guessing, I don't really know that much about farmers, like the internal workings of farmers markets that, is it like a career path? That Like, is it something that people think of or is it sort of like something people fall into?
1: I definitely think that it's more something people fall into, unless they've grown up around it their entire Mm -hmm. life. We didn't have it in Alaska until probably I was in late high school or college, but I remember attending them and thinking that they were fantastic. But what we did have was the state fair. Mm -hmm. It's very different than other state fairs in that it's all local agriculture and artists that come together versus the big commercial Type yeah. of businesses, the you know, wow and the Mops and all that kind of stuff. And I was always fascinated and always loved shopping with those artists and things like that. But I think, as far as the skills go, being very organized. I think I've already mentioned that because if I'm not organized, it comes through towards to the vendors or to the customers, and that kind of creates a sense of chaos. And I've been to markets that have that kind of feeling. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, I know my internal chaos can't really be displayed for everybody else or the whole structure falls apart. The drive, I think I've always been driven. You know, I knew as soon as I left high school that I was going to college, I couldn't quite decide on a degree. So I decided business would be a great fallback. And here it is being used all the time. Yeah, Even going through fashion design school, there was very specific types of companies that I wanted to work for. I had zero interest in high couture, high fashion, moving to New York, any of that kind of stuff. I was very like boots on the ground, down to earth. I want to make things that people can use. And so I think that that kind of all fell in line with just the task management and kind of always looking ahead to see what, what's out there. Mm. I can't picture my life any other way right now. I'm kind of getting to that point where my name and my reputation have gotten out there, and so other cities are approaching me about other farmers markets and revitalizing them, and getting to the point where I need to kind of make that decision. It's it's that next step that I never thought that I would be at. But mm-hmm. do I start stack out and have a company that manages these markets and really hire some amazing people? Where do I find those people? Like these are the growing pains I've never experienced before. So it's scary, but I also know that with organization and drive and putting myself out there and being honest and open, I can find a solution. I just don't know what that looks like yet.
0: (laughs) Interesting. Very interesting. So, I mean, there's a real opportunity where, again, it's your entrepreneurial spirit, I think, but it's the seeing a gap and filling it, right? Like clearly there's a need for a more organized approach or for the way you're organizing your approach to managing promoting and growing farmers markets mm-hmm. huh so in like six months time we're going to talk and you're going to be like so I launched my company <laughs> we have 20 <laughs> farmers markets under our umbrella now Great. Woo! <laughs> interesting so this is a real possible opportunity like on a scale of like one to ten one being I'm cool with it and 10 being I'm terrified. Where where are you in considering taking this leap?
1: <laughs> uh, I'm probably about a five or a six. Yeah, okay. uh, all right. Because the first few years was, okay, we need to repair relationships with mm-hmm. different organizations surrounding the farmer's market. We need to prove ourselves that we are this competitive farmer's market. Not that they're really competitive, but we're worthy of really awesome vendors coming in and being taken care of and being promoted. Mm. And so we started to grow. And then every year I, I do have a bit of a competitive nature about me. (laughs) Um, So, but there's kind of that aspect of, okay, we grew, can we beat last year? Not by a lot, but just by a little. And then all of a sudden it just started exploding in growth. I mean, in one year it was exponential. And then even during a pandemic, I had set my expectations with having to move a location because of health department regulations and switch gears and enforce mask wearing and all of those types of things. I had settled myself to if we just make last year's numbers that would be amazing and then we blew that out of the water too wow. and wow so I think the trajectory has just sped up a lot faster than
0: I thought it would interesting do you notice any pattern in like people's behavior i know when we talked before we talked about how i think this is remarkable because you know it's often cost prohibitive to buy goods at the farmers market for underprivileged people and there's EBT and we'll talk about that in a minute, but are you seeing a change in people's behavior? Do you think it's because of the pandemic or is it over the years that people are just becoming more aware of what they're putting in their bodies and, or do you know?
1: I think that it's a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I think that it's kind of one of those chicken and egg conversations. Like you have to have a, a good market for people to come to mm-hmm. that has a, a beautiful vendor mix. So not only amazing fruits and vegetables, but also the arts and crafts that go with it, the jewelry, the painting, the glass blowing, those types of things. So the more enticing you make it, the more people want to come and get to know their local farms and artisans and those types mm-hmm. of things. The pandemic shifted everybody, I think, at least in our region, to what can I do right now to support my restaurant down the street, to support this small business, to shop local? How can I continue, even though I can't go eat there or I can't go shop there necessarily, how do I support them? And it was a huge movement at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the pandemic. I saw in community groups on social media give me five restaurant recommendations that are doing to go right now. How do I help? And giving gift cards and buying gift cards for restaurants for later on down the road. With the farmer's market, we were one of the only sanctioned things that was happening that people were allowed to go out and do. And the weather was nice and it just like was the perfect wonderful storm of people being motivated to get out and do and support and Mm. the third aspect that you were talking about feeding your bodies our bodies good food that became a very very big reality especially as we started to see some of those big meat manufacturers have shortages or have outbreaks and have to shut down all of a sudden people clued into I can go down to the market and purchase meat from a farmer that has raised this cow 20 minutes from my house (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so it was kind of threefold really and we're still seeing some of the after effects of that with people not feeling as safe as going to the grocery store but then there's all the incentives that I think we'll probably touch on with the EBT and lower income too
0: mm-hmm. yeah we, that's I mean that's pretty amazing and you know you said what well, you talked about making the market interesting and fun to go to. And I, I reflect on the markets that I go to time and again, that I like to keep going to. It has so much more to do with the vibe than it does with what they provide. Unless like there's one particular one that's, it's just, it's great. It's fine. I don't love it. Like people are, it's one of the most crowded, so I don't love it that way, but it has huge variety. <laughs> so I will go there, but I don't go there as often as I go to the smaller one on the other side of town because the one on the other side of town is really chill. And I like that, right. That's what I'm looking for. I want to have a nice experience. I don't want to be elbowed or shoved or yelled at or spat on or whatever. It's crazy behaviors that you hear sometimes people doing, you know, So, (laughs) but I think about, how much that needs to be part of the picture, right? Sometimes we just think of like farm stands. We don't think about actually, this is a complete experience from the time. I'm sure now, I don't know if you're still directing traffic like ours was, you may only enter and walk this direction then you have to leave out that direction. Did you have to reconfigure how you do things as well if you're thinking about that kind of flow? Because I'm thinking like, you know, start to finish, it's an experience as it is. Mm -hmm. And then, I don't know, now they're changing the restrictions, but let's just say when there were the six feet rules and all of that, did you have to change it a lot? Yeah,
1: for Sohomish, because that was the biggest one I was running, we had to just move entirety, like the location itself Mm. to outside of town in a farm field. Which was not—it was ideal in in certain ways, but it was also not ideal just given the conditions and the full sun all day and those types of things. It was a completely different vibe and experience. It felt more like a fair out in a field, interesting um, Renaissance fair or something like that. Mm -hmm. It was our biggest and best year ever, but again, I think that goes into a lot of different factors. But as far as now, when we're back in our downtown, you know, our historic downtown or in the Lake Stevens in the park, there is kind of that that vibe. And it's definitely, I mean, I go through and I do the maps for all three of them every week and I try to keep people consistent, but I also pay attention to the flow and to how people are interacting or if they're skipping over the same booth all the time. Okay. Does it need to be more in the sun? You know, will the sun catch the glass and the art more will the sun ruin the veggies or the flowers? You know, that's all considerations too, but we did have, we were supposed to do directional traffic with two out of the three of my markets, it was really difficult because they are in parks and aside from investing in construction fencing every single week and writing arrows and spray painting on the ground, it just was so hard to enforce. And I honestly became very tired of it by the end of the year. So I just kind of threw my hands up. And right. We're like, can we all just do the best yeah. we can? that's try to keep your,
0: keep your distance.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, exactly. Put your mask don't over cry. your nose. Okay, there we yes. go. Yes. <laughs> Pull it up just a little bit. <laughs> yeah.
1: Please don't point your gun at me because you don't want to wear a mask. <laughs> oh gosh,
0: you yeah. people were carrying at farmer's markets for a while, right? Mm.
1: Yes, open That's carrying exciting. to protest their rights to breathe.
0: Right. I keep going back as a side note to, and maybe I need to go look it up because there's probably some documentation of news reports of did people lose their minds when they're you know the signs that say no shirt no shoes no service did people lose their minds about having to wear a shirt and shoes in a restaurant <laughs> the way people have lost their minds about wearing a mask I mean it's it's just public health safety measure it'd be curious to I, have see. Actually
1: had, I have actually had to ask a gentleman to put on a shirt in the market <laughs> God. I'm sure that but you've it seen terrible. it all But it was just a one-off,
0: just um, one time. Um, It was
1: very nice and tan, but um, we had a couple complaints. So, (laughs) but no the the amount of anti masking last season was enough to just send me over the edge. Well, at least at least it helped me support my my wine and beer and mead vendors openly and actively. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk
0: about that. (laughs) Each state has different ABC laws, right? So I'm curious, like, I'm trying to remember if I, I don't know, there's no sampling or anything right now, right? So I'm trying to remember if I've even seen any wine, beer, and mead. I think I have seen mead actually at our farmer's market. So it's there. Interesting. So you've been supporting them and keeping them afloat all by yourself.
1: (laughs) The funny thing is, is that all of those vendors need wine. We did have no sampling for a while for much of the season and their sales were better than the year before, even without, even with somebody walking up, having never tried this type of wine or meat or beer, the vendors were able to talk about their product. That's the thing is having those vendors, having people kind of like I'm talking about my business, being able to really give that emotional connection mm-hmm. can help them succeed in their business. And that's, that's pretty amazing. I mean, I don't know how many times I've bought any of that without trying it first. Mm -hmm. So they completely adapted and pivoted their business and only sent the people that really knew what they were talking about
0: to sell. Interesting. Interesting. And I would imagine that's probably the case across the board. Like you don't have how many different varieties are there of tomatoes that, you know, a farmer might have certain, you know, or heirloom or whatever. So to have them really be able to understand We like them to know their beer, wine and mead too, but I would imagine that applies to everything down to baked goods to gosh, the local butchers that are selling at the farmer's market and all that. I mean, wow. Interesting. The things that as the consumer, I appreciate, but I don't always, you know, I kind of take it for granted. Like, okay, I just assume that they know their stuff, but you can always tell when somebody's a lot more passionate about it.
1: Yes. Or when you're talking to the actual, the farmer who has spent, Mm -hmm. you know, eight hours prior to loading in for the market harvesting and can Mm -hmm. tell you the line on the crop that that came from or the line of the cow that he came from that type of thing.
0: Mm -hmm. That's really cool. It's
1: pretty incredible.
0: Yeah. So prior to jumping into this or being tossed into it or some combination thereof, I would imagine that your knowledge of like locally grown and sourced and whatever was maybe a little bit less deep. For sure. Yeah.
1: I plants. I didn't ever have a garden.
0: <laughs> you kill plants. <laughs> you have a black thumb. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Has it changed your, I mean, I would imagine that it changes your view of small businesses, but this is even more like small farms and small agricultural, small, you know, artisans and things like that. It's just a whole different beast. What do you think is like your biggest learning experience being in this field?
1: I can definitely say that I coming from the fashion industry, the mall was a place of kind of inspiration. We still walk over to South Coast Plaza and do our sketching and things like that in school and come up with ideas and collections. Almost as soon as I started working, not only for the small businesses, but what through social media, but the farmers markets, I feel really uncomfortable and weird going into a mall. Now you can't really get clothing from a market. You can like certain things, sweatshirts and t-shirts and but you know, I'm six feet tall, so they don't sell pants for me at a farmer's market. But it just feels kind of weird, weirdly uncomfortable going into a place of such like high consumerism. And honestly, I didn't miss a lot of that during the pandemic when those malls were shut down. Kind of made you think about what you would purchase online. Also, living in kind of the Amazon capital of the world, Seattle, we have that convenience factor and There was that shift in ordering everything from Amazon when the pandemic hit, but it still just felt weird. It was, could I get this through somebody else? And Mm -hmm. could I order from my jam gal and meet her for a pickup? So making a little bit more conscious decisions has kind of been the name of the game, especially for the last year and a half. Supporting local when we can, the businesses, the restaurants, and the things that we go out and do personally, my husband and I, has definitely changed to small and local as most for most everything. And Mm -hmm. if we have visitors come by, you know, when that can happen again, we try to share with them those things. And anybody that's looking for recommendations on community groups, I'm the first one to pop in there and talk about the farmer's market or talk about a vendor that can help with their wedding, that kind of thing. A lot of Mm -hmm. our flower farmers are there of Hmong descent, which is an Asian ethnicity and their style of farming is, you know, the entire family lives on this farm and does everything they can. And seven of them are in the booth making flower bouquets and things like that. Oh, wow. I strongly encourage people, women getting married, you know, that type of a thing to come shop from them first, because not only do they get a great deal, but they get exactly what they want. They're supporting the local economy. That dollar is staying in their community versus going to a florist or something like that. Not that local florists are bad, but going to a grocery store, or ordering something like that is, it can make a huge difference.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I definitely have noticed like a real push for that. And we live in a college town, so we do live in a little bit of a bubble. Well, a lot bit of a bubble, (laughs) but, but there's, I think that the messaging has become more clear. A lot of it due to the pandemic of like shifting the focus and like, let's look at how we can support one another. You know, we were talking before we started recording about how frustrating It is to see people behaving badly and being really selfish and all of that. And we can look at, yeah, there's, but it seems like the people who behave badly do it a lot louder than the people who are off doing the good thing because they're not looking for any kind of, they're just doing it, right? They're not looking for accolades or anything. They're just going and doing it that way. But I definitely notice like there's a real push for supporting local that, you know, we're looking at economic. Issues, but we're also looking at like the environmental impact of shopping local. And we had already been thinking about it in our household. We don't eat a lot of meat, but we, when we do, we want to eat high quality stuff. And we finally made the change for like 90% of what we purchase is from a local butcher that sources within, I can't remember the mile radius, but all within the state of North Carolina that feels good. But it also like, I think it's better for our bodies in terms of you know, everything from like the honey to the vegetables, to the, to the animals locally. Like I know the honey, the local honey helps us with our allergies and seasonal allergies and things like, you know, but I just, I think it's better in so many ways to the extent that we can to do that. As I mentioned earlier, you know, we're kind of, we kind of alluded to it, that it can be cost prohibitive. I mean, it is more expensive to shop that way. The way we justify it is that we don't eat that much meat. And so for us, it makes sense to pay a little bit more to have something locally sourced. And we just, it makes us enjoy it and appreciate it a lot more too. We're wasting less, but I don't often make any kind of assumption that people are going to be able to go to a farmer's market if they are receiving food stamps or EBT. However, I see signs when I go there and I go, "Oh my god, that's so great. They accept EBT." And you have incentive programs and you've worked on grants with the state and federal government to promote that, correct? Or something along those lines?
1: Yeah, so when I started learning more because I was kind of feet to the fire figure out everything, EBT was something that was very near and dear to my heart or snap matching or any of that kind of stuff, WIC, and we call it Farmer's Market Nutrition Program, because I came from a place where we were on food stamps when I was a kid. And so we were low income. We were low income housing. And I remember standing in food lines and getting partially spoiled food and those types of things. So I was like, Mm -hmm. this is that place that I can come back, circle around. And help other people that may be in the position that I was when I was a kid. There's lots of different ways to go about it, but being part of the Washington State Farmers Market Association, we get information funneled to us that's relevant to us all the time. So that's really, really neat. Then being able to go into the local, you know, health and human services office and take training. We all have to take training on how to use the EBT machines because they are a government machine. Mm -hmm. But I have been an advocate for matching dollars. So snap matching dollars, because those are win-win-wins for us. So it gets customers to the market. It allows them to use their EBT EBT card. And then we match up to a certain amount. The funding from that comes from anything from the soda tax or the sin taxes or those types of things, a small portion of that or just federal grant funding to help, especially like in the pandemic, we now have pandemic EBT cards where entire members of the family get these cards and everybody can get matched up to $40. So that's a huge amount of money. And it can only be used at the farmer's market, not necessarily ours, the matching funds can be used at any participating market. But really, the end beneficiaries are the families eating wholesome foods, and then the farmers that are getting far more customers and they're reaching more customers and who knows the next week if that customer comes back and doesn't have anything on their EBT card, perhaps they use their grocery budget Mm -hmm. at the farmer's market instead of at the grocery store where they know their food is fresh. It lasts longer. They even get to learn how to prepare it better or how to preserve it better. And then you go into preserving too. We get a lot of people that come in September and October and buy kind of the last of that seasonal fruit or vegetable and preserve it for the winter. So they're getting the same quality over the course of the winter when we're not around.
0: Yeah. I think that's great. I think that's um, just the, just, I mean, this could be a whole other long conversation. So I'll just kind of make the comment that there are so many people in this country for as wealthy as this country is and how much waste that we produce who are going hungry or eating absolute garbage because it's cheap and it's it's not really a choice it's a necessity it's like either that or don't eat right and to see that there's a push i wish it were a larger push actually i wish there were a lot of things that were different but to see that there's a push To support people in nourishing theirs and their families' bodies is really heartening to me. Like, it's to me, it's like one of our biggest things that we should be ashamed of in this country is how we treat underprivileged people across the board and how we treat marginalized populations, you know. So, we having access to great food and high quality food, plus learning how to use it, I think is a really a really beautiful thing and I, I love that you're doing that and that it seems like the farmers are really open to that and they love they're just so passionate about what they do that they're helping people and wanting to support they're proud of their produce and all of that.
1: Yeah and I've always tried to, you know, when we get new farmers that don't quite understand all the programs that we do, because it, it can be a lot. You know, we have lots of different currencies at the market. I try to to approach them with these programs as 100%, 110% positive thing. It's not something more for them to manage or something for them to deal with. It's we're feeding our community and everybody is equal here at the market, regardless of if they're using a red token or a voucher or a green token or cash or a card. And a lot of the farmers have developed relationships with these ongoing customers because that's Mm -hmm. inevitably what happens is they come back because that familiarity, I can go here, I can get my extra $40. They come back week after week and what the farmers will do, and I've seen it and it just warms my heart. It almost brings me to tears when I see it is that they put extra, oh, I see you've got two red tokens and 10 vouchers. And so they just give them extra or they just put an extra tomato in the bag or something like that. And I think that's really cool. And it really speaks a lot to like the humanity of farmers markets. It's not mm-hmm. just a business incubator. It's not just a, a weekly thing. It's, it's a lot more than that.
0: Yeah, that's really beautiful. And I I love how you worded that. We're feeding our communities. That Mm -hmm. is what we're doing. And yeah, I think that's, we can take a lot of comfort in knowing that that's there and also be encouraged to do more, right? Mm -hmm. That we can support, if there's a way to support, like we've got local programs here, like when the pandemic started, we received an email from the school district, I think after the second week of being in lockdown, which we thought might last six weeks, (laughs) we're a tiny, tiny, tiny school district. And they had distributed, gosh, I can't remember in two weeks time. I think they distributed like 25,000 meals or something like that. We have 12,000 students in our school district. I mean, I was sobbing, just bawling at that. I was like, that's amazing that people were putting themselves at risk. And going and doing it anyway, taking, picking up meals and delivering from their cars, bus drivers were volunteering to come. I it was incredible because we have a lot of families in need and they did not want them to go without and how the community has come together. And I suspect that's happened across the board, but to live in a community where you actually get to like really see it, Mm -hmm. I think is really lovely. And so to come back to community within the farmer's markets, I think that's really incredible.
1: We had some vendors, you know, our hot dog truck, you know, that's his business. And all of a sudden his business couldn't happen because he's a food truck. And that was not really something that we could have him at the market, but all of his weddings and events and things were canceled. He felt the need, the overwhelming need, kind of like you're talking about to feed his community, to feed those kids that weren't getting school lunches anymore. And so he quickly worked up some social media stuff with my help and we put it out there. It was like feed the kids Friday. And he provided... You know, up to 250 school lunches, which was hot dogs, of course, like little hot dogs and Cute. <laughs> fruit snacks and, you know, a piece of fruit and that type of thing that other community organizations donated. But just to watch that need that he saw to immediately take action, like that's what we have in our community. Mm-hmm. That's of farmer's markets. We have those people that I'm losing out a lot. I'm losing out a lot of my income this year, but there are things I can do to help. And so I'm going to take action versus sit here and feel sorry for myself. And yeah. that was pretty incredible. And then we, as the market normally have a power of produce program, it's called the pop club for kids. And it works similar to like an incentive program where they would get a prize, but instead of a prize for coming in learning about a fruit and vegetable or doing a sample taste test during normal times or doing activity like fruit and veggie painting, those types of things, they get $2 to spend with a farmer at the market. And then they get to go meet a farmer. The pop club director will walk everybody around and introduce everybody to farmers. And how much can I buy with this, you know, Farmer Fred type of a thing and show them. And I've seen kids walking around with zucchinis that are 24 inches big. um, (laughs) just eating it raw because that's what the farmer gave them for $2 and they were so proud of their
0: purchase. Oh, that's adorable. I love it.
1: We didn't want to stop that last year. So we provided take-home kits and things like that for them to do, to still have that, you need to put in the work to do an activity, but then their parents could shop with their extra $2 and they would provide them shopping lists and things like that.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. How does the community get the word out to the rest of your community that these programs exist? Is it part of your advertising? Is it promoted through the, the farmer's markets or is it promoted through the program that sponsors or both?
1: I think all of the above. We don't have a ton of sponsors, especially after last year. It just, mm. that was really difficult. So, you know, some of the money that we make, we put aside for these types of programs. Mm. Social media is key. I mean, we, we, I instinctively make posts that are easy to be shared so that they have all the information on them so that somebody can grab them and share them. We try really hard to be in touch with the local offices for Health and Human Services and DSHS to be able to do those things and get the word out. I just got a call today on my way to the gym that was, hey, is there still a Sunday farmer's market in Stahomish? No, that's not there anymore, but please make sure you have my contact information for Thursdays. You know, that type of a thing, just mm. making sure that everybody is aware and yeah. mouth works well in a community. So mm-hmm. that's always helpful.
0: Yeah. I think that's wonderful. Yeah. That, that just really is, it's so nice to hear, right? There's so much that's going on that we don't even we don't even know about. And I think, you know, after the last 15 months or so or 12 years or however long it's been that we've been yeah. <laughs> in some form of lockdown. <laughs> We need to hear the good stuff. We need to still work on the stuff that's not so good, but to hear that this is going on. And I'd like to assume that this is common in farmers markets, but now I'm going to start finding out locally because this has really inspired me to learn. I assume, and I hope for our listeners that this inspires them to go learn may not be farmers markets. It might be something else, but to be inspired to support something that helps a community in need and I love what you said about how people are equal. Everyone is equal. Like you create equity at the farmer's market by having the various programs in place, plus incentive to do more there, which is just going to improve people's health. I mean, the, the better nourished we are, the better we can function overall. And I don't know if you know anything about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, but like, you know, the very basic bottom need for us before we can really go and do anything else is to make sure our needs are met. So this is food, shelter, and safety. And with food scarcity, and this is a real issue for a pretty shocking percentage of the population in the U.S., considering how much agriculture we have and how much waste and how wealthy we are, it's a real thing to see that there are things going on or there are ways that we could improve that and support our communities, I think is really, really encouraging. So it's good work you're doing.
1: Yeah, it's a great way is just to volunteer for any of these local organizations, the farmer's market. We had a big snafu last Thursday that is way too long of a story to relay, but (laughs) it required putting a call out to the community. And we had 25 volunteers show up and that's huge. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I can get one maybe during the summer to have that many people show up And then to have them come up to me afterwards and have that understanding of, I had no idea that this is what it took every week to make this happen. That kind of awakening of, I don't go into a grocery store and assume that there's just going to be magically more oranges if that's what I want. So I think them realizing some of that, a a few of them said, how can I get involved more every single week? Or how can I get involved with the kids club? Mm -hmm. My kids benefited from it. So- Now I want to be part of it or now they want to be part of it. Those relationships are golden, you know, because they are the cheerleaders and the advocates that go out in the community and talk about these things and help spread the word and help make the farmer's market, you know, the biggest that we've ever been.
0: Mm -hmm. I love it. Do you anticipate (laughs) all the CDC changes happened between, from between market weeks, right?
1: They actually happened during market day. Oh, that's right. 11. Day
0: of. Yeah, sweet. And so <laughs> we could talk about what that meant, but I think the bigger picture and the and the real point that I want to make is about agility and adaptability. So, you know, there's only so much you can do, but have you become more agile, <laughs> more adaptable, adaptable, adaptive in the last year and 12 years-ish?
1: I think... <laughs> Yes, I definitely have the persona and like everybody in my family and my friend circle knows that I have extremely high expectations of myself. And I'm a perfectionist. Mm. Some of what we experienced in the last 15 months, it was nothing I could control. And that was, I think, the hardest part for me to like, let go of. However, (laughs) it's also brought in that fight in me. So the fight to make sure that the health districts and the customers and the the people that maybe are fighting these mask mandates understand that we're just trying to survive like anybody else and you're barking up the wrong tree or going to my health district and saying, this isn't fair. This is not what you're enforcing at grocery stores. And we are safer than grocery stores. We are bringing food to people. We have higher incentives than grocery stores, and you need to understand what you're doing to impact this business. So it's definitely lit a fire in me.
0: Mm, Yeah, sounds like it.
1: Last season started with our markets only being able to have food and farm. So we weren't allowed to have any of our artisans and crafters, but what they considered flower vendors was an artisan or a crafter when we like, we just talked about how their agriculture
0: Yeah. and
1: I put out a post on social media and it ended up getting to a local news broadcaster and he called me, I was on my way home from the gym and he said, how fast can we interview you? How fast can we set this up?
0: Let me wash my hair.
1: <laughs> I, I was just like, dry shampoo and, yeah, and, a, little, and a, a little lip let gloss and we're my, good to go. <laughs> yeah, let me get my fruit and vegetable dress on and I will meet you there. And awesome. sure enough, that absolutely changed. It changed the game. It got shared around enough to to change the health district's rules. Mm. And we were able to invite them all to participate in our first market versus having them wait until I think it was eight weeks later that we were allowed to add everybody else back in. And wow. I continue to fight for them too. The artisans and crafters, I said, I can go into target right now and I can buy a sweatshirt. So why mm-hmm. can't a sweatshirt vendor be at a farmer's market? Right. Yeah. The jewelry section is not closed at Kohl's. So mm-hmm. what difference does it make?
0: <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Wow. Gosh, all the intricacies. One thing that that's really coming up a lot is how, powerfully you are using social media. And I think that ties back to your company. And just a real quick on that, that we mentioned it earlier, I think before we started recording the one way that you've managed to keep your company going just in general from being so busy, but especially in the last year or so was hiring somebody right to come in. And was that hard? Cause you said, you know, you have perfectionistic tendencies and maybe like to be in charge. So <laughs> was that hard to let go or was it just time? And you just knew that it was
1: It was both. It was really hard because finding another me is tough and Mm -hmm. it's impossible, right? You know, you can't duplicate yourself and that's okay because maybe I shouldn't be looking for another me. Maybe I should be looking for somebody that's got different strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. It was definitely a process. I think I misspoke because it was actually about two years ago that I realized. And so I've gone through three really amazing people and now I'm on the third, but they have their own they're small entrepreneurial types of spirits. And so maybe they realize that they're going to grow and adapt into something else. And it's amazing, but also heart wrenching because we get into this groove in a relationship and then they leave me. Yeah. And <laughs> then they're,
0: they're ready to move on. And exactly. Grown, you know, they're like flying exactly. out of your nest. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Aww. Go,
1: little birdie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely been tough, but it's been some of the clients that we have have really loved it. You know, some, some of them jive much better with my you know, assistant than they do with me, or she just gets their business better than I ever would, even when I took it on. So yeah. it's really a blessing too, because you know, I sent her an email a few weeks ago and I was just like, Hey, market season's hitting. My emails are going to be super short, super sweet. Nothing against you, just where my head's at. She yep. was like, yep, I get it. Totally. It. She does. She's a vendor at farmer's markets.
0: So oh, she okay. She gets Yeah. It. So she yeah.
1: gets it. It's actually her sweatshirt that I'm wearing. But, oh, nice.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah. I was wondering if that was a, a farmer's market find. It's very nice. Yeah.
1: So it's great, but I fear like in another year or so, I'll probably have to find somebody else or mm-hmm. adapt the business um, in some way, shape or form to Maybe. accommodate.
0: We might wrap it under the umbrella of the new business that you're going to start for supporting <laughs> farmer's markets. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Just have a dedicated social media arm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wow. That's amazing. I mean, I don't know how you do it. I'm so impressed with everything you do and really touched with how committed you are to supporting, you know, your local growers, your local artisans, your community as a whole at these three markets. I mean, I just think it's amazing. And I sort of assume that these things probably exist, but I wonder if they're getting as much. You know, love and care and compassionate attention as they need. And so I want to thank you for doing that. I think it's a really important piece of the business that you're supporting. And I, as a person who loves people, most of them, um, (laughs) just kidding, you know, and I have a real heart for people who have to work so hard and are still struggling. You're making a huge difference in their lives by supporting that and pushing for these programs. So thank you for that.
1: Thank you. I love our communities and I just want to see them thrive and not get turned into strip malls and, you know, not have farms bulldozed for malls and things like that. So it's definitely, it comes from the heart. I think any of our vendors or customers that really get it can speak to that.
0: Well, before we wrap up, how can we support you? Like how can we send people to you? Do you, is there information that you'd like to share? Anything on those
1: My website kind of out of date. I have completely different color hair, but
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's okay. Hair can change anytime.
1: (laughs) I do a pretty personal blog on that website. Just, I've really opened myself up and just want to be super transparent. That way people can kind of understand what happens behind the scenes or what happens in just a a strong female entrepreneur in her head but also just any of our our market websites or just by going to your own local farmer's market and having a different appreciation, maybe not blurting out, well, I could make that at home (laughs) in front of a booth or we've got lettuce in the garden. We don't need that. Find the ways like we were talking about earlier, like find the helpers, find the doers, find those people that you see in the community, support them with everything that you've got and volunteer. If you can't afford, you can afford time perhaps. And really understanding some of those historic small town districts and, you know, even the libraries and all of those places that have struggled so much over the last year Mm. will gladly take any help that they can get, Mm. I think, or support that they can get.
0: That's great. Well, we will, I'll make sure to share any links with the, and the show notes. And I'll also track down there's local, I think there's actually like you can search for a farmer's market by zip code or something like that. So I'll put that in the show notes as well. So I think that that'll be really helpful for people.
1: And, you know, something that we do when we travel, we just went to California in March. And the first thing I did, because I know California has amazing farmer's markets. I looked up on Google how far away are, you know, maybe four or five of them and I think we ended up hitting six or seven while we were there but first day we went to one we stocked up for our hotel room on some fresh fruits and veggies and some other things and I tried to just support them as much as I could because it's a you're getting that super hyper local experience when you travel somewhere like that and visit mm-hmm. a farmer's market you get a real quick inside look at what that community is like
0: yeah yeah I love that. That's a great piece of advice. Speaking of advice, do you have any tips that you want people to be thinking of in terms of like their entrepreneurial mindset or, or how to be more involved in their community even?
1: I think one of the biggest hurdles I got over was I had been a little bit of an introvert. I didn't like public speaking, I would get super nervous at like chamber where I'd have to do the introduction, which was like my 30-second introduction. I just started ripping the band-aid off, going and walking up to a group of people that may have already been talking and hi, I'm Sarah. I do this and I do this. What do you do? Engaging. Because mm-hmm. you never know how those connections will come back around. You know, the mm-hmm. friend that referred me to be the to apply for the manager position at the farmer's market was somebody I had met through Networking and we became very good friends. Mary, who referred me to you, we've met through networking, and I've hosted some jewelry parties. And she's just those connections—you never know where they're going to come from. So, getting over that fear of talking, even if it's just standing in front of your mirror and practicing your elevator pitch—I don't have an elevator pitch. I just I wing almost everything. Um, <laughs> so that's okay too. You know, yeah. that can work to be part of your personality and part of your business too. Yeah.
0: I think when you're really passionate about what you're doing and why you do it, it becomes easier to engage with people and to share that. And that, that definitely comes through when you're talking about what you do. It's clear that you're very passionate and very committed to this. And my hat is off to you for just all of it. And especially this last year and few months, just how many changes probably on a weekly basis with how often things are, you know, shifting and, and changing, to be able to do it and pull it off, do it well. And, you know, I know you're currently going full force into your busy season. And I hope that you're able to, you know, take a break and take good care of yourself whenever possible. Even if it's like just 10 minutes here and there, because you're doing important work. We need you hundred <laughs> percent. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I, I find the moments. definitely. Yeah. Good. And you found the beer, wine, and mead. So you're, you're set. Yes.
1: That too. <laughs> Plus <good>. probably <laughs> cheese
0: and a nice charcuterie. tree. <laughs> yeah, yes. I know. It's all great. <laughs> oh my gosh, Sarah. Well, what, this has been really great. I want to stay in touch with you in general. I think especially I have a feeling you're going to act on noticing a need for something. And so I would definitely want to cut circle back in however long after your busy season is finished and you've had a vacation or just a very long nap. (laughs) (laughs) If you'll have me, I would love to have you back on the show and check in again and see what you're up to.
1: Definitely. And I I would love to kind of just talk about how the season is different as we adapt through the pandemic versus being fully and solidly in it and what that has meant to local businesses and everything.
0: Oh yeah, I bet. Yeah, that'll be a very interesting conversation because I think there's a Mm -hmm. lot and it speaks to human nature for how, how resilient we are and how adaptable we can be. And even if we resist change, sometimes the best thing we can do is just surrender and go with it. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's like, no, okay, here we are. (laughs) This is what we're doing. Uh Yeah. Yeah, oh my, my husband
1: uh, recently announced that he's running for a local city council position. And I just kind of looked at him like, what? <laughs> you're doing what? And I was like, I can't do your social media. I can't be your campaign manager. And I can't endorse you right now. So you're on your own. <laughs> it's like,
0: thanks, honey. I love you too. <laughs> but I love you i sure you understand.
1: And yeah. go for
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. I talked to my assistant. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you, you, um, you guys are pretty good at spinning plates. So definitely want to hear how that goes for him. Oh my goodness. That's a lot. Oh my gosh. Well, I really appreciate your time. I know it's your busy season. So I'm really thankful that you were able to take time out and come on the show and and we'll share all of your links and ways to get more involved in the farmer's market community. And just thank you again so much. This was really wonderful.
1: Thank you. This has been awesome. And you're just so easy and fun to talk to.
0: (laughs) Oh, thank you. That's my intention is for it to feel like we're just kind of chatting with cocktails, mocktails, tea, whatever, and just like having that nice deep dive. I think that's makes, it brings a lot of value. I think for our listeners, I always learn something from guests and like, I took a lot of notes. So, and you've inspired me to go and be more active and be more bold in some of the things that I always think about, but often don't do. So, yeah. So thank awesome. you for that. Yeah. <laughs> Different kind of shot in the arm. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, well, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks again me for coming. Thank you. thank you for listening to this episode of Entrepreneur Mindset Reset. If you liked what you heard, be sure to click the subscribe button so you'll never miss a show. Please leave us a review and tell your friends about us so more people can hear the valuable information we share in each episode. We look forward to hearing from you and celebrating your success.